Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I've got my engineer with me today, Dave Keita. Hey, Dave. How are you today? Staying uh, cool out there? No, not really. It's really (laughs) hot, but I'm glad I'm in here. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Dave will be uh, helping me take your calls today. You can give us a call every week at 303-477-5600 if you want to join our conversation. We're here every Thursday from 1 to 2 on KLZ 560 online at at drpegradio.com and i'm uh, experimenting with facebook live you can go to dr peg on facebook if you want to uh, stream it from your smart device through facebook now i had such a great conversation with my guests last week uh unfortunately we ran out of time we didn't get to all the topics that i had hoped to talk with him about so i've got him back again social futurist chet sisk uh here with me again um to share what's coming in the next three to five years in the areas of mental health is what we're going to focus on today, Uh, stress, coping, and treatments. And one topic that's often linked to mental health uh, is safety. Uh, People are asking questions about the link between mental illness and the violent attacks that we see happening far too often, uh, and how we're going to talk about how feeling unsafe affects our mental health. People are asking about that. Uh, It's so important to make decisions about Uh, school, workplace, and public safety using evidence-based practices and not opinion or emotion. And the company that set the new standard in advanced safety education training is SSI Guardian, who has the only evidence-based program of its kind with an accredited CEU. And to learn more about SSI Guardian, go to ssiguardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. Now, again, my conversation last week was uh, just really fascinating with Chet Sisk. If you missed the conversation, you can go to the program archives at drpegradio.com. And so I'm happy to welcome back to the program social futurist Chet Sisk. He's an author as well and a former television news reporter, advertising executive, entrepreneur, uh, and just man about town (laughs) here in Denver, who provides insight into the massive changes affecting us as individuals, families, societies, and the planet, and how we can thrive and succeed in it. Chet Sisk, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming back again today. Thank you for having me again. And yes, we were in a really expanded conversation last week mm-hmm. so it's nice to be able to have some time to stretch out a little bit longer yes and to talk about the mental health part right. which is really that's what a social futurist really pays attention to mm-hmm. how does all of this change affect people and their response to their environment and to each other so right. for us to get into that today is is great yes stuff. and we talked about the robots i kept joking about the robots <laughs> last week but being a social futurist you're looking at how technology and the robots are not just what's happening with them but how specifically do they impact us absolutely and they do on so many different levels i think that most people kind of limit it to a kind of a terminator space (laughs) but it's really it has everything to do with social uh, infrastructure has everything to do with how we respond to um, life in general 
uh, our vision for life. I want to get into some of that. Um, just how we respond to each other. I mean, really what's happening with the robots in this time, the fourth industrial revolution, mm -hmm. is that we're rethinking how the world works. Yes. And that's really important for, because there's no manual on it. Right. It's just happening and people are expected to adapt. Right. Which is a, a reasonable expectation, but it doesn't hurt to provide a little insight mm -hmm. so that people can kind of navigate better than if you just threw them to the throw them to the wolves and say good luck. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. And so you spend a lot of time following what the trends are, um, reading stories, looking at societal developments, and really decoding it. Uh, mm -hmm. What does it mean for us? Yep. Uh, talk about why that's so important for us to understand specifically the next three to five years, as opposed to just you know 20 years from now a generation from now but in our immediate future yeah and uh, that's my specialty is the next three to five years uh the pentagon and so many other organizations have said it that whatever will happen over the next three to five years will probably determine the next 100 mm. maybe even a thousand years I, I wouldn't go out that far but definitely the the cast is being the, the die is being cast as we speak. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of foundations are being laid, and the technology is unfolding over this next period of time, this next three to five years. So it will give us a good indication of how humans are able to adapt mm -hmm. in, in this new environment. So yep. the next three to five years are the, are the key. Right. Good, good. Well, let's talk about uh, current trends around mental health, uh, not just here in this country, uh, also globally. You've traveled the world, yep. uh, uh, been to over 20 countries, and we'll talk more about that later. You've been invited back to the United Nations. This will yes. be your second time going back yes. uh, this summer. And so when we think about mental health and mental illness, um, uh, it's not just uh, an American concern. It really is a concern for all of us. A 2016 statistic published by the National Institute of Mental Health states that nearly one in five American adults lives with a mental illness. And that translates to roughly about 44.7 uh, uh, million people are living with a mental illness. And globally, more than 300 million people of all ages suffer from uh, depression, just that one mental disorder. Uh, so what does this really mean for us as individuals and as a society here and globally? Well, it really means that we have to develop uh, a, a kind of a, a I, I, I loathe to say approach, but we have to look at this thing differently because it's one thing to say, oh, we have mental illness and it's trending, but it's another thing to say, is it possible that whatever infrastructure that we have created to this point is causing mm. uh, this kind of global morass, as wow. it were, and that's that's a conversation that we haven't had, so we usually end up dealing with the symptoms as opposed mm -hmm. to maybe some root causes okay. and some people say oh the root cause is, is the technology and I wouldn't I wouldn't go there I would say that maybe there's another way of being able to redesign how humans live I mean that I'd go that far out and that's the a conversation that's starting to stretch out now in a lot of different circles sure. they're saying well if we have all of this rising mental illness is it possible that maybe the way things are set up is not healthy right. for human beings. Right, and I, I want to get uh, delve into the topic of technology in our second segment, especially mm -hmm. as it impacts young people in, in terms of handheld digital technology, oh, and smartphones, yeah. and social media. Yep. Uh, but in terms of how our environment affects us, 
terms of our mental well-being and mental health, mm -hmm. uh, I've read a lot about how um, being indoors and inside of buildings and living in you know high rises and urban centers where we're really not able to um, commune with nature and even hear the sounds of nature for in a major metropolitan area, urban setting, and all we're hearing is horns tooting. I'm from New York, from Long Island, and would venture in to the city, as we called it, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Big Apple, New York City, yeah. from Long Island on the on the train. Yeah. And uh, it's it's like a culture shock, shock uh, yeah. to get into a major city, even in, just in terms of noise and commotion, yes. and what kind of impact that can have on a person's mental health if we were... Uh, originally, you know, created in the Garden of Eden sure, in an yeah. outdoor, you know, idyllic uh, na natural environment. Right. And I, I think you would know about this probably more than I would, but everything that I'm seeing, how the trends are developing, there is a direct relationship between the urbanization and even the, the, the technology as well, mm -hmm. or the combination thereof, and the rise of mental illnesses in, in different sectors and, and how people cope. So, Again, going back to my other question, you know, which is a legitimate question that I think it's time has come, is can't, shouldn't we be doing something other than what we're doing? Mm -hmm. Is there another way, like you said, to put our feet back on the ground, be able to touch the earth? And some people would say that, oh, that's the nice touchy-feely mm -hmm. kind of conversation. Granola, <laughs> yeah, <a> tree hugger. <laughs> but now we're starting to realize that those tree huggers and Birkenstock wearing right. folks actually knew what they were talking about in relationship to grounding, people getting grounded mm -hmm. and being able to see themselves from a grounded place as opposed to a highly mechanized and uh, almost... Um, crowded space mm -hmm. where you don't get a chance to really kind of um, to, to hear yourself think. I, I, I'm a big fan of meditation because I think that that provides a, an opportunity for people. I always say that prayer uh, is when we ask God for things and meditation is when we shut up and listen for the yes. answer. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't do a lot of shutting up because we tend to occupy that space with a lot of noise and mm -hmm. things and mm -hmm. stuff to do and, you know, our earphones in and and all of those things, and maybe that has has to have some level of effect at some point in time where we are disconnected from ourselves mm -hmm. and from the earth. Absolutely, and we can, you know, pray and praise and enter his courts with thanksgiving, and you're right, at some point we need to sit quietly, be still, yes. and know he's God, and right, hear right. what he's saying to sure. us. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's happening um, in terms of uh, famous folks and mental illness, because we're seeing that more and more in the headlines. And mm. again, listeners, I'm speaking with Chet Sisk, and he's a social futurist. If you want to join our conversation about what the future holds around questions of mental illness, mental health, mental well-being, in the next three to five years, you can give us a call. We're at 303-477-5600. We're also on Facebook Live today. Um, and so if you want to ask a question, still go ahead and give us a call, 303 477 5,600. Uh, so just the other day, uh, Kate Spade, a yes. famous fashion designer, committed suicide. Yes. And um, the World Health Organization identifies depression as the leading cause of disability worldwide wow. and uh, is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. Mm. Uh, bipolar disorder affects about 60 million people worldwide. And bipolar disorder, depression, uh, can increase the chance of suicide. Sure. Uh, so really tragic um, uh, headline, you know, with the, her passing. Uh, many celebrities are opening up about their mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. um, Margot Kidder, 
who played Lois Lane right. uh, for many years in the Superman movies. She recently died, and she was very open about her struggles with mental illness and addiction. Right. Um, we know um, uh, Jennifer Lewis just released a book, the very multi-talented actress, yes. uh, stage, television, uh, movies. Uh, she talks about her ups and downs with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And the list just goes on and on with celebrities who are coming out. Uh, is this? Do you think this will be a continuing trend around uh, increasing awareness, reducing the stigma as more prominent people, famous people, celebrities um, disclose without shame, yeah, I have a mental illness. I think that, the, I think you're right that it will have more people at least uh, obtain the courage to be able to come out mm -hmm. and say, hey, listen, I'm, I too am affected. And I think that their, their testimony, their very public testimony is very helpful in that regard. But I also think it's a double-edged sword that I remember some, uh, some colleagues after, uh, Miss Spade, uh, committed suicide said that they were feeling the anxiety of suicide themselves mm. so it, it it can produce a kind of a a collective anxiety where people mm. may feel that that's a way out as well and that's being complicated by the technological sh change and shift that's happening so um so it's it's a double-edged sword i mean that it it, it provides a, a a way for help uh, for people to seek help and to to you know, let go of the shame and all of the other things that have been associated with it, which is really kind of crazy if you think about it, that we have shamed people who are dealing with a, an illness just like any other kind of illness, heart disease or anything like that, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it says something about us at the, this point in time, but it also says something about us that we're finally getting to the point of saying, okay, let's acknowledge that this is just another illness, just like all of the other illnesses that we deal with, mm -hmm. and we need to give the, it the, the same level of attention, Absolutely. the same level of resources, and the same level of, of respect that we would for heart disease or anything mm -hmm. else. So I'm, I'm concerned about it in relationship to the, sh to the pace of change that's happening in the world where you have this heightened level of mental illness and then people would go and say to take their lives in a very public way and, and it becomes public and then that is complicated by this anxiety about change and it may, for some people, it might seem like, okay, this is, I can't handle it either. Right, and so if a, if a celebrity, if a right. famous person, a successful person with yes. all the at least financial resources in the world and access to the best mental health care available, yes. can't figure this out, yeah. is there hope for me? Yes. Uh, there's something known as a suicide contagion, and we, are, we see that and are especially concerned about that with young people in schools. Sure. And the way a suicide of a student is handled at a school can either glamorize it mm -hmm. or put it in its proper perspective of this sure. person was troubled, they had uh, challenges, and we have adults here who can help you. Sure. So using it as an opportunity to educate other students who may be feeling similarly hopeless sure. and offer them another way. Uh, yes. without glamorizing. Uh, you're still honoring that person, memorializing them, mm -hmm. honoring their life, but we don't want to glamorize uh, suicide because right. we'll see um, multiple suicides. We've seen it locally here in Colorado and Colorado Springs uh, in the past year or two. Stuff yeah, that wild. contagion. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, you know, the scripture says that, uh, that it's all without vision the people perish yes mm -hmm. and my my concern more than anything is that there is not we're living in an, in an environment that doesn't necessarily 
support the idea of vision and hope. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at all of our popular media, uh, as I was talking about last week, the whole aspect of most of our science fiction movies and the most popular movies are very dystopian. Mm-hmm. And so there's not the same kind of uh, visual outside of Black Panther and, some, and as we were mentioning, Star Trek, where they had this, this vision of something that was bigger and greater. And I think that you start to see a kind of a piling on, as it were, that you, more and more of the media focuses on this kind of, um, as we as we're experiencing here in the United States, a kind of a it feels like a dysfunction, mm-hmm. like there's no hope, that that there's no path forward. It it feels more like, uh, well, this is the, as good as it gets. Right. To me, that's the kind of thing that can lead to a level of contagion that we that that is concerning uh and then all you need is to have a high highly visible person on top of that and then all of a sudden you might see uh, episodes where people just kind of go into maybe not necessarily a physical death as it were but kind of a death of the spirit Mm -hmm. and where they check out and they just feel they throw up their hands yeah and was it kurt cobain who committed suicide i mean he's kind of gone down in history and people still reference him and his death and um so a very very tragic situation um depression is can be debilitating bipolar disorder can be um quite a challenge but there is help there is hope there are treatments we'll talk more about some of those trends in terms of treatment uh let's talk also about men in particular mental health because in terms of stigma uh men are coming out of that it's uh, mental health or men's mental health week is it really Or men's mental, men's health week, excuse me, okay. men's health awareness week. Forgive oh, me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Something with men and awareness <laughs> in this next week. But uh, we'll learn more about that when we come back. Stay with us. <laughs> Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise and hers when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. 
Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We are um, here with uh, Chet Sisk, and he is a social futurist, and we're talking about mental health issues, and I had mental health on the brain, but it's actually next week is men, Men's Health Awareness Week. Okay. And so men out there, uh, pay attention to what's going on in your physical bodies, but we're also talking about mental health. We don't want to make a separation. You know, there's a connection between... Um, the the uh, mind and the body, Absolutely. and it's called the neck. <laughs> so we are actually connected. The head bones connected to the to the body bone, and so we shouldn't make that separation. Um, good health is good. Mental health is good health, and 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 vice versa. Absolutely. Uh, so Chet Sisk, how can listeners get in touch with you and connect with you and the work that you're doing? Please uh, go to our website, uh, leadtheshift.com. There is a free app that we have there that you can download, and it includes you into our interest group. And then you stay up on all of the vlogs and blogs and all of the information I have as a trend analyst. My job is to pay attention to the trends. Or you can write me directly at chet at chetsisk.com. All right. Sounds good. And I've got links to Chet on my website at drpegradio.com. And also, listeners, if you need help uh, breaking bad habits or uh, making lasting changes in your life, you can contact me today to learn more about uh, telephone coaching. Uh, it's easy, it's efficient, and it's effective. You can go to drpegradio.com and click on coaching. And Chet Sisk today is coaching us on what's happening in the future um, we're talking about mental health trends uh, here in the U.S. and globally because we're, we're, we've got to be citizens of the world. Yes. Uh, with all of the technology, including our social media technology, right. I'm Facebook living around the world. If someone wants to tune in somewhere else, they can. We're yes. streaming live the radio signal um, around the world. Someone right. can tap into that. Yep. And so we can't just be so focused on what's happening in our own backyard. Right. We're citizens of the world. Right. Uh, so again, if you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 303-477-5600. Uh, so men's health awareness week, mm -hmm. uh, we're starting to see men having more self-awareness around mental health in particular. Yes. Um, less stigma for men to come out and say, um, you know, I'm having challenges. Uh, the whole campaign and um, project uh, called Man Therapy, if you remember Man those uh, commercials, yeah. were on the on TV a lot. Um, I think they've been in existence for about five or six years now. Sure. And so they're trying to break down that stigma around men and mental health. Uh, we were talking in the first segment about celebrities coming out about their mental health challenges. Um, how much do you think uh, comedian and actor Robin Williams' suicide uh, impacted men, uh, where we were talking about that suicide contagion. If someone that successful is struggling, what sure. hope do I have? Although it could also serve to say, man, if he's struggling, well, sure. what I'm going through, I shouldn't feel ashamed about. I need to get some help. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I agree with the latter. I think that I've seen more people come up to the point of recognizing, hey, my, oh my gosh, you know, the whole aspect of of mental illness and mental health 
is not something far away. It's something that is tangible. It's it's in our lives. And I have seen more of that of the latter than anything. Mm-hmm. One of the, the things that I'm concerned about for men in, in relationship to how things are trending is this whole aspect of the of automation uh, unemployment, mm. which is uh, it's it's happening now, but it's really going to take off over the next three to five years. And so that would be some of those jobs that are in factories and assembly Absolutely. lines. Yes, and and now they're moving into white collar jobs yes. because of artificial intelligence yes. and, and, and robotic arms. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's the challenge: where there are a lot of men they're going through it now because a lot of most. A good portion of Americans are underemployed. They haven't seen a, a good um, increase in their wages yeah. in years. Even though unemployment is low, we're yes. looking at the wages are have, exactly. have not kept yeah. pace in and some I, of these more um, traditional blue-collar jobs. Yes, mm-hmm. and it bothers the heck out of me to hear these people tout these numbers like, look, we're doing great. But if you ask the person on the street, are they doing great? And they'll tell you, I'm working two or three jobs in order to do what my parents used to do. So for a man, it becomes a real challenge because they're not able to connect all of the dots. In, in a lot of communities, they're not able to connect all of the dots and saying, I should be making more right. like my parents were. And let me let me interject here. I, I'm not sure if I coined this phrase last week when you were on the show, the <laughs> Uberization of America. But yes. I was thinking about... Um, people who are not out there seeking a job right now because they're actually working for themselves for Uber. Mm. And so I was wondering, because I'm looking at the traffic, I, I'm always joking, how come all these people are on the road? Why aren't they at work? <laughs> but they, they are at work, yes. maybe driving Uber or Lyft, or sure. they're telecommuting. Sure. They're entrepreneurs working for themselves, and they're doing business 24-7, seven days a week. It's mm. not a nine-to-five job in an office anymore. Right, right. Uh, but... When you look at what people are doing to make ends meet, mm-hmm. uh, we're looking at job opportunities or work. You, you said last week it's more about opportunities, not jobs, as yes. we thought of them before. Yes. So there are opportunities to make money that are not necessarily what have been in the past traditional jobs. Sure. I'm going to throw something else out there, too, uh, which is I think is an opportunity that men need to consider. Everybody needs to consider. Um, marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage uh, creates a level of partnership. And some people will say, well, I'll just create a partnership. Okay. The bottom line is that the environment is not the same as it was during our parents' time. Even more so, it's about to change again because of the fourth industrial revolution. And that means that we have to take advantage of opportunities. And those opportunities start, from my particular perspective, inside of partnerships. And one of those partnerships is marriage, where you have people now thinking about how do we work together in order to make sure that we start to support each other inside of our unit, maybe inside of a more a larger unit as mm-hmm. well. But that, those are the kinds of opportunities that we have to look at, and men in particular, because again, they are still using a rule book from the 70s and the 80s and that rule book doesn't apply in this new terrain. Mm. And when you apply that kind of old rule book in a new environment, of course, you have cognitive dissonance. And so they will sit back and say, I should be as successful as my dad. Mm. And that's just unfair to you as a man and even unfair to the environment because it can take you out of what you can contribute mm. and the opportunities that are there because you're still looking inside of an old uh, 
through an old lens. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's really a challenge for men more than anything because we tend to get stubborn. We don't want to ask for directions. And okay. things of that sort. So uh, am I clear that you're saying one trend is a movement away from marriage? No, I, I would say toward Moving marriage. Moving towards marriage because two are better than one. Absolutely. We can do better together. Partnership mm -hmm. is always better in a new kind of environment that I would say leans toward partnership, mm -hmm. connectedness. And I think that we... I, I think that there's a, 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 a talk that has been going on out there that may, you might have been able to make that discussion back in the 80s where you say, well, I can do, I can do mm. bad all by myself. But really in, in the new environment that's emerging, it's all about partnerships. Mm -hmm. It's about finding ways of connecting with people. I, and I, again, I submit that marriage is one of those forms that needs to be reconsidered by men from that perspective, I know I'm going to get some email well, on that. Well, and but so I, let's I look at the flip side of that too. Then, what are, what are the trends around divorce? You know, we've always heard the stat. I don't I don't have any real um, data in front of me. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's folklore, yep. uh, urban myth. Fifty percent of marriages <laughs> end. You know, we've always heard that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've even heard um, for for folks in the church and the Christian church, we've heard that mm -hmm. divorce rates are equal to folks who are not believers. True. And so I, I don't know what the real data are on divorce, but yes. are we seeing a trend therefore away from divorce as partnerships are trending and becoming more critically necessary? I think what we're seeing, yes, there the trend of divorce is continuing, but I believe it or not, I believe that that's healthy. And let me explain okay. why. Okay. <laughs> now I, you're really going to get the letters. I know. <laughs> Send I, your letters to, you said, <laughs> chat at chatsys.com. Right. <laughs> and let me just say that the reason why I think it's healthy, because it's it's a resetting, because I think that there was a, 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 a vision or a version of marriage at one time inside of the United States and around the world that I think was unhealthy, that, you know, control and dominance and that kind of institution, I don't think has, it can't survive. It's not sustainable. So let's not, let's not say divorce is a good thing. Let's say marriage counseling. And yeah, let me, the reset let me walk that the back. Marriage you have. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'll gonna, walk I'm gonna back. save you here, uh, Chad. <laughs> yes, so I think there's a, a, this new vision of what a marriage can be is, is probably the most important thing that could have happened. And, I, and I'm seeing that, so, so what you're seeing is that while the divorce rates are continuing to rise, um, again, not just here but around the around the world, there is also this partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we're seeing are more blended families. More I've blended got Ron families. Deal will be on my show in a couple of weeks, who is yep. a very well-known expert on step families and sure. blended families. And we're seeing people being married for the second and the third time. Sure. That's becoming uh, part of our you know, cultural narrative. Sure. And so that's a form of a partnership, someone Absolutely. not giving up and trying again yes. and having these blended families and multiple yes. um, stepchildren and stepmothers sure. and stepfathers from more than one previous sure. marriage. So men who, who live outside of partnerships and believe that they can do this thing alone. I think that they're in greater mental health risk mm. than those who are in partnerships because now you have the resources, the help, the communication, all of these things of another person in your life, which I think is one of the most important things that could happen to anybody. Right. So, so I'm, so walking it back again, <laughs> not so much marriage as much as reevaluating and saying, how do I, how do I become a better partner? Mm -hmm. How do I see my 
the person in my life as a partner to me and our mutual desire to create a better life. Right. That's the, in the old world, it was just me. I have to go out and slay the wildebeest and, you know, bring it home and hope for the best. But now it's like, how do we work together? And so that, to me, that reset, that, that pushing of the reset button is absolutely necessary right now. Okay. And I hope that it continues. All right, good. Well, and that's Chet Six. Chet Sisk, social futurist. Say that 10 times fast, <laughs> Chet Sisk. And so if you'd like to join our conversation, if you'd like to challenge what he just <laughs> shared, uh, he, he walked it back a little bit. If you want to add your thoughts to what he's talking about in terms of marriage and partnerships, and that's going to become even more important in this changing global yes. uh, landscape, give us a call at 303 477 5600. And we're talking broadly about mental health, and we were talking about men's uh, mental health. Um, I also want to talk about the opioid crisis as a part of mental health, and when we look at behavioral health and, and substance abuse and addictions and dependency, um, mm. there's a crisis uh, in our country. Yep. Um, and what's the impact of opioid addiction on individuals and families and, and even employment? Because I know you're looking at a lot of trends around employment. Mm -hmm. I saw, uh, heard a story on NPR the other day saying that um, employers are finding it more difficult to fill the positions that are available because prospective employees cannot pass the drug test. Wow. And so they're seeing the opioid crisis not only affect the individual personally and their family, and it's tragic, uh, but we're also seeing it potentially, this is someone's theory, uh, a conclusion they've drawn, potentially even going to have an impact on our economy Absolutely. going forward if we can't fill jobs because people are addicted uh, to drugs. Now, do you remember um, years ago, the phrase future shock was mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. I think it was Alvin Toffler that may have even wrote the book about that. I can't remember exactly. But so there is a kind of a, uh, people are having a difficult time dealing with the level of change. And I also contribute that the lack of a, of a broader based hope that allows people to be able to see, to get past the things that are in front of them so they can see the things ahead of them. With that, that being said, and I, I just came back from Nigeria, and they were outlawing cough syrup in the country because of the same kind of addiction challenges that they face. It's happening in different parts of the wow. world. So using cough syrup as an ingredient to make meth. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yes. And all kinds of other things, too. They become very innovative. But it's it's not just here in the States. It's, it's in different places of the world. Again, mm -hmm. it goes back to my central point, what we started off when we talked about the whole idea that maybe how society is being structured is not a healthy way. And it's being complicated now by the speed of change of the technology. So the fourth industrial revolution really introduces a level of speed to change that we haven't, n humankind has not seen mm. what's happening right wow. now before. So a lot of people, as I mentioned, you know, they just say, you know what, it's too much for me. And of course, uh, a way out would be certainly some level of addiction or some kind of, it, it doesn't necessarily... And, and I think be. we've seen that throughout time, people turning to alcohol, even sure. when there was prohibition, yep. um, turning to other types of substances, sure. and we see marijuana is legal here, but it, that doesn't um, negate the fact that people are using substances to self-medicate. Absolutely. Uh, often... Um, when they're feeling emotional pain or yep. emotional overwhelm, they're stressed out. And certainly some folks who have bona fide mental 
uh, illnesses. They, they have diagnosable mental health conditions, yep. and they're using substances just to try to cope. And so I don't think that's ever going to go away. It's always been with us, but we're seeing different kinds of substances enter yes. into uh, our society that are, you know, yes. um, very dangerous and deadly. Um, opi the opioids that are... Um, the fentanyl types of you know drugs mm -hmm. that are out there, literally just a few pow you know powder particles, yes. literally can kill someone. Yes. and so it's just so um, so deadly, so so uh, fatal. And the demographics have changed. Mm -hmm. At one time, you know, you could count on levels of substance abuse among young people, mm -hmm. but now, particularly with the opioids, you yes. see middle-aged adults. Um, and you see younger and younger children mm -hmm. also getting into the space, which means that there is a, a spreading, as it were, mm -hmm. of a kind of, um, I don't know, malaise. I, I, mm. I use that word, but that's not quite the one I want to use. But it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. So so we have to think about it from, a, I believe, a larger context as opposed to let's just stop the op op opioid crisis. Yes. That's not enough because it will something else will we'll fill take that its gap. Place. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's what we're we've always seen. Yeah. Well, is that thing that's taking its place digital media? I want to talk when we come back about um, another potential kind of addiction yeah. is to our um, social media, our smart smartphones, our tablets, um, wow. the internet, texting, even Netflix, right? That's a whole new term in our lexicon, binge-watching, right? <laughs> We're binge-watching shows. Charged. Uh, yes, yeah, I think we've all done it. Uh, so we'll talk about some of these uh, digital media trends. And in particular, I'm concerned about how they are going to impact young people. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, there's some myth out there. There's some um, hyperbole out there. There's uh, facts that we need to be aware of so we can be informed consumers uh, from young ages all the way up to adults of this digital media. I'm speaking with social futurist Chet Sisk, and he'll share his opinions about digital media when we return. Stay with us. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat. 
In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg on KLZ 560 AM and streaming live online at drpegradio.com. We're also doing Facebook Live today. You can go to facebook.com slash drpeg if you want to uh, check us out on Facebook and and see what uh, Chet looks like. He often gets mistaken for seal. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Everywhere. Yes, and so you, if you'd like to reach out to Chet and connect with him, you can go to drpegradio.com. I'll have the link to Chet's website, leadtheshift.com. He has a free app over there and some books to sell, and yeah. you can see where he's going to be speaking next. He's going uh, to speak to the UN yes. later this summer, so yes. that's awesome. We'll, we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But I want to talk first about uh, digital media. Mm. And I recently did a presentation at CU Denver on uh, youth mental health and um, smartphones, social media, digital media, and really trying to educate the adults in attendance, many who were educators, some parents, uh, on what's, um, what's fiction and opinion and kind of, you know, this frenzy out there about, oh my God, you know, social media is killing our kids, their brains are going to mush, and how much of it is a reality? What does the evidence really show us? And we know that... Um, Uh, Social media has been described as more addictive than cigarettes Mm. for young people. It's been linked to increased reports of depression, loneliness, anxiety, and a risk factor for suicide for young people in particular. Um, And so we know those are facts. Uh, And we can talk about screen time, how much time are they spending on their their, uh, screens. But um, some of the researchers talk about uh, the three C's are more important than quantity, but we need to look at context, content, and connections. And I've heard you talk several times about connections. So context, how, when, where are digital media being accessed and used? Mm -hmm. Uh, Content, what kind of content is being consumed? Maybe it's educational Mm -hmm. and they're using it for research for school and academic endeavors. Or maybe it's pornography or they're having inappropriate um, uh, you know, access to adults that they shouldn't. And then certainly um, connections, how much are there relationships being affected with their family with again appropriate peers Uh, so it's not just the amount of time they're on the devices which certainly you know a parent needs to monitor that is it excessive but it's how is it being used who are they connecting with what's the content they're consuming and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater there are very um, positive uh, benefits of digital media yeah I I, I'm I'm going to go back to something I mentioned last week. I, it's very, very important for us to get in front of technology. Mm-hmm. When we're not in front of it, what happens is that it is done unto us. Now, how, how do we stay in front of it? I think that we have to start to start to define the narrative around digital technology. And that means that instead of it going to the people out of uh, tech valleys or uh, tech institutes and and places where they're developing the technology, that has to really start to take place inside of our communities where we start to 
reimagine the idea of how are we going to use this technology? Mm -hmm. We don't even ask that question. If you think about it, what really happens is that we're just kind of waiting around for the next for the tech next in innovation. And parents are getting left behind. Kids, yeah. kids have moved on to the next thing, and we're still, you yeah. know, obviously yes. stuck on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, kids, are, kids are hiding their apps in fake apps, so Absolutely. they'll have calculator apps that are vaults yeah. that they're hiding inappropriate apps that yes. their parents have told them not to use. Yes. And you think it's just a calculator yes. or a calendar, I've but they've got that. all this other stuff in there. Yes. So how do parents stay ahead of all of this so that we can make sure our children are uh, using the technology appropriately. Right. I And I feel very strongly about this, that there has to be a kind of a, a renaissance in how and, and activism. And when I say activism, I'm not talking about people going out to the streets and yelling and saying, you know, give us this. I'm saying that in order to stay in front of the technology, that we have to have, we have to initiate conversations and not just town hall meetings, but in our churches in our homes, in our social groups, to talk about how do we want this technology to show up inside of and our And most importantly, in our homes, yes. <laughs> right? If, yes. if we don't start there, right? right? And, it, and even monitor our own social media use as the adult, as right. the parent, and as an right. example and role model. Mm -hmm. If we're addicted <laughs> and strung out on, you know, uh, Snapchat, how, <laughs> how do we have any credibility to talk with our kids about it? But those are conversations should be happening in our homes, yes. in our communities. And it, it, we're living in that time, and I say this now because people have heard that, but really because of the fourth industrial revolution, again, this next level of AI, we really do have to have these conversations. They cannot be casual conversations. They have to be formal and they have to be a part. It has to include all of the family members. Mm -hmm. It has to include all of the church members. It has to include everything. That's the way to get in front of the, of the technology because the default is just let the technology unfold right. and then it, it may unfold, unfold in a nefarious way. We don't know mm -hmm. because we're not having the conversation. That just requires an, another level of us that we're not used to. We're, we're, we're kind of used to the yeah. idea of just kind of letting it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of flow. Right. But we, we no longer live in that time where we can afford to right. let it just flow. Right. We've got to be proactive. And we got an interesting call um, last week when you were on talking about yep. artificial intelligence and robots and that kind of technology. And mm -hmm. the caller asked about who gets to decide, you sure. know, who sets the standards for the technology and the artificial intelligence and the right. ethics involved in it. Uh, so critically important. Uh, so we're, we're emphasizing today uh, future trends and global trends, uh, as well as here in the U.S., around mental health. Again, my guest is social futurist Chet Sisk. Mm -hmm. And so, Chet, speaking of kind of the ethics and the standards, who gets to decide, uh, let's talk about mental health and technology. There's a lot of interesting new technology uh, that's being put into service of mental health yes. and wellness. And I found some really interesting information about technology and mental health treatment in the future from the National Institute of Mental Health, NIMH. Okay. And you okay. can uh, look this stuff up online. Okay. And so we know that technology and mobile devices like cell phones and smartphones and tablets are giving the public, doctors, and researchers new ways to access help, mm -hmm. to monitor our progress, right. and increase understanding of mental well-being. So some of the current trends in app development, I'm going to mm -hmm. um, read a list of them and get your thoughts on that sure. in terms of where we're going with this. Yep. 
self-management apps. So, for example, a user might set up medication reminders. And, you know, people use their existing tools, a calendar reminder already to remind them to take their blood pressure medication or what have you. Uh, but again, just having finished reading Jennifer Lewis's memoir, uh, she's an actress and um, yes. singer and dancer, just multi-talented, yes. and has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She's taking medication for it now, mm -hmm. although she had experienced a lot of ups and downs prior yes, to her treatment. Yes, what a journey, boy. But um, so someone like that could set up an app to remind her because that has been an issue for her in the mm -hmm. past, just not taking her meds for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, or you could have tools to um, uh, manage stress and anxiety or sleep problems. Yes. Um, uh, so self-management apps, uh, apps for improving thinking skills, uh, especially targeted for people with serious mental illnesses, for example, schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. um, skill training apps, we see people using those all the time, whether they've been diagnosed or not, uh, teaching them how to meditate. Right. <laughs> they'll they'll um, have yoga apps, you know. Yeah. And um, I use one of those yeah, meditation apps myself. Absolutely, and interval training apps and videos that are embedded in the app, and you're learning new skills through the app. Uh, you could have illness management or supported care apps where you can interact with other human beings and connecting people hmm. to peer support um, or send their information to a trained health care provider through the app. Yeah. Uh, you can have passive symptom tracking. So if you have someone, for example, who's delusional or psychotic, but you need information on how they're responding to their medication, but they're not mm -hmm. able to even track their hallucinations or behaviors, it's possible um, that um, the app could tr passively track their movements, um, social interactions, or behavior at a particular time of day. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can take all of that, and there's a concern about data mining, but again, we can collect that data with consent and uh, use it to uh, perform research to True. improve treatments yeah. uh, for people with mental health um, issues. What are your thoughts about some of these applications of the technology for mental health and in particular treatment? I have to say health in general is taking probably the, the biggest quantum leap when it comes to the use of the technologies that exist, particularly because of the fact that it allows people to do a lot of self-care. Mm -hmm. In the old world, of course, it was the doctor that kind of diagnosed from a distance mm -hmm. and maybe assigned some medication. But this makes us more proactive, which is why, again, I am a I, I keep saying that the, the technology is a two-edged sword. It really depends on us how we define that, and yes, you're right, there's a question about uh, data mining and how mm -hmm. that can be used, but potentially right. it has the ability to make us more responsible for our own health. And that, to me, is one of the greatest developments that could have ever happened, because we assigning it to somebody else, I think we should always be in partnership with our, right. our doctors, our physicians, uh, always in partnership because again going back to the whole aspect of partnerships you want people a team you know your team the doctors caregivers all of those people working with you but you taking the lead role in your sure. your health care you being responsible for your health care i totally believe in this and i and i i am a strong advocate mm -hmm. for these kinds of apps uh yeah. There's, I, there's yeah. more we can so do. So important. Yeah, yeah, I did a presentation, I think it was last year, for the Colorado Black Health Collaborative, and I had a, um, an image on one of my slides of the, um, you know, proverbial iceberg, where the tip okay. of the iceberg is what your health care provider 
can help you with. Mm. Everything else is your daily choices. Yeah. And of course, there are disparities in terms of access to certain kinds of, of uh, care and information. Yep. And yet, we still have a responsibility to make certain choices, once yep. we, especially once we have the information. Well, see, this is the thing about the new technologies more than anything else, is that it has the potential to give more of us agency in the world. Mm -hmm. I am strong advocate for that because I think that without that level of agency, it, we do become, if you will, we'll have the robots as our overlords right. <laughs> because of the fact that we don't see, we don't have a practice as it were to do and take care of ourselves, to look out and to, to care with other people in partnership without that. And if we're not training ourselves up in that particular way, mm -hmm. of course we're going to be open to all kinds of manipulation and all of those things that can occur also by the very same technology that can mm -hmm. empower us. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, it's a strange world, but we're, right, right now we're deciding that. That's really what's going on right now, is that we're deciding what kind of world do we want. Mm. Do we want one where we're constantly empowered by tools and we leverage these tools for our empowerment? Or do we want to kind of default, as I mentioned earlier, and let somebody else in, um, who knows, you know, someplace far away do it remotely? Right. I mean, us. they do that already. They I worked in already. an office where they told us, and maybe they just said this so we wouldn't mess with the thermostat, <laughs> but we were told the thermostat was controlled by a computer in some other state. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know, they might have just been pulling our chain, but I mean, it certainly is possible, right? Uh, well, uh, again, I'm speaking with social futurist Chet Sisk. If you'd like to join the conversation, we have a few minutes left before we um, say goodbye to you today. You can call us at 303-477-5600. Uh, and so let's talk about, you know, this uh, computer in some far-off land that's controlling the temperature in my office in Aurora. <laughs> uh, you've traveled to over 20 countries. You're heading out to the United Nations this summer. You've been invited to speak again. You spoke before. India. Yeah. Okay, India. wonderful. Yeah. So talk about that and what's going on with uh, global trends, um, from that uh, level of leadership? Well, uh, there is this giant push out there that from I'm, every time I talk to some of my colleagues around the world, it's this whole aspect, as I mentioned earlier, about agency, about empowering people because the tools now exist mm -hmm. for us to empower people. In the old ways, you know, it was a hierarchical model was probably in some people's concept, the only way that systems could work right. yeah. because people didn't have the tools. Now that we have the tools, the hierarchical model almost seems, not just almost, but is antiquated and it doesn't work efficiently. Mm -hmm. There's a level of efficiency that occurs when you can empower people. Right. Even just as simple as shopping for an item online, yeah. we can do all our research ourselves and mm -hmm compare, you know, different models and makes and different mm -hmm. stores who's got the best price. So a salesperson, now their role is not to hold on to all that information. It's to help us make sense of it and even yeah. give us more information. Yeah. And you don't want to get an information overload, but you definitely want to make sure that people are empowered. And in a, in a sense, again, we're, we're training ourselves to have that level of power and agency mm -hmm. in a world that trained us really just to be cogs in the wheel right and that's a it's a different kind of world that's where some of that that, that cognitive dissonance and, and mental health challenge can occur is because you're now asking people to take responsibility for their 
position and and for a lot of those things and develop partnerships so they can get those things done mm -hmm. but they've been all of their lives they've always been cogs in the wheel yeah, yeah. so it's it's a different kind of world and we need to appreciate that mm -hmm. so that we can find ways of helping people to transition right. from one place to the next yes. as opposed to saying you should just know this right. how how would they know this right. and so even where we have access to information in the palm of our hands now mm -hmm. and and it, i can even not have to hold my phone i can just say hey siri yeah. And here she is telling yeah. me what I need to know. Yes. And so even in some parts of the world, as much as it's so ubiquitous, there are still people who don't have access Truth. to information. And so it really is um, helping them uh, get gain that access, being patient with them, right, and kind yes. and compassionate right. uh, towards that gap. And then um, kind of walking alongside them uh, to help them obtain the information and then uh, think critically about it. Absolutely. So partnerships, once again. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. It's all the the future of how we live in this world is about connectedness. Mm -hmm. Ubuntu, the whole aspect of I am because we are, we are because I am. The philosophy of connectedness is it matches that. Mm. the connectedness of the technology. So in order to understand the technology, you have to understand it from a philosophical mm -hmm. place, Ubuntu, mm -hmm. connectedness. And that's what you'll be speaking uh, about at the UN. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's the foundation awesome. of yes. it. So Wonderful. Very good. And you talk a lot about um, visionary leadership. Mm. And uh, we're, we're out of time for that today. But that yeah. really it requires um, leadership and and. In, in a local way as well, yes. in our own communities, in our own homes, um, uh, in our own organizations, um, having a vision to be able to empower others to help them um, be able to see where where they need to go. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chet Sisk, thanks so much for another very interesting conversation today. <laughs> uh, we focused on mental health, but so much more. Uh, thanks so much for being here with me. It is my pleasure and my honor, and any time, just okay, call me back. Okay, wonderful. And listeners, my guest has been Chet W. Sisk. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station. Welcome to Save Our Soldiers, an ongoing feature from the Crawford family and Crawford Broadcasting to inform